and welcome to another episode of the Far From Vesuvius podcast. My name is Ken, and today we are going to do something a little different. Um, me, Kirsten, the doctor, Henry Bell, and Marco Kubani D'Onofrio have all chipped in sort of privately from our own homes today, and we are going to be doing what I'd like to be called maybe a collabo pod, something like that. I don't know. Either way, um, coming off of the Napoli win 3-0 uh, against Bologna, we just wanted to talk about a few things. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I was in Italy for the last eight days. I arrived home last night. Uh, and I went to go and I went to two Napoli matches in that span. Uh, I did start my trip in Roma and I did go to the Roma Napoli match where I did see the nil nil draw Napoli's first drop points of the season um, at a very highly contested game at the Olimpico. And then on Thursday evening, I went with a bunch of friends to Napoli Bologna where we saw Napoli get a three nil win with goals from Fabian Ruiz and a double uh, of penalties for our captain, Lorenzo Insigne. Just a few things real quick. Um, obviously, I don't have the high-depth analysis from being at the matches, but a uh, pretty special experience for me. This is my second and third Napoli matches that I've seen um, in the league in Italy, my first away match ever in Roma. And um, it's a really special experience, so... I'm really, really, really sort of bumming today, coming back home, settling back in. It's a uh, gloomy, rainy fall day here in Boston, and I had just some picture-perfect weather in, in Napoli, and, you know, I'm missing the atmosphere, and I'm missing the ocean, and I'm missing being around Vesuvio, and I'm missing my cafe con sfogliatelle, um in the mornings, and I'm missing my uh, pizza fritte, um in the afternoons, and I'm missing my five-year-old margarita pizzas um, from a couple of the places. But, you know, we move on and we move forward. But I think, you know, I think if anybody really was saying, hey, you know, Napoli's going to start the season this year getting 28 out of 30 points 10 games in, I think we'd all be pretty happy. And uh, we all have, you know, me and, and Marco and Kirsten and, and Henry all have all have different things that we want to share. So, um you know, I thought this would be a good opportunity for us to get together. We're going to give Rafa a little bit of a break. He's well-deserved. You know, Rafa's been – he's got Rafa and Raf, and he's been doing a lot of the frenemies, and he's been really the conductor of this whole thing. So I'm stepping in for him today, and I will be on Twitch tomorrow at 1 p.m. for Napoli Salernitana. So I hope some of you all join me then. Uh, it should be – it's our first – uh, Derby with them uh, that means anything I think in like 17 or 18 years so it should be a big match but um, yeah I've been Ken uh, I'm going to toss it up to the doctor Henry Bell Il Dottore di Napoli and he's going to start us off with some thoughts that he has on our maybe maligned at the moment number 10 Piotr Zielinski Ciao ragazzi um the doctor is in the house, Dr. Henry Bell here. Hope everyone's good. I am unwell, I'm sorry to say. There's a cold going around the United Kingdom. And uh, yeah, it means I don't get any sympathy because there's more serious illnesses going on in the world at the moment. But I feel like 
absolutely awfulness made of that. But I there was a call for help from my my fellow far from Vesuvians, and here we go. So I got a temperature. This might be slightly demented, but like this is uh, this is my, here here are my thoughts ahead of uh, ahead of our game tomorrow. Uh, so. I mean, what a start to the season. Incredible. Top of the league. And I've been doing a lot of research for Rafa ahead of uh, a Maradona podcast, which is coming up, about our second Scudetto season, 1989-1990, which was a two-horse race between Napoli and Milan. And there's, in my head anyway, quite a lot of parallels all beginning to come together. Um, some good omens there. In fact, we've started the season much better this season than we did back in 1989. Um, I think we were still unbeaten at this stage, but we'd um, we'd drawn a few more. Anyway, it, it has been a great start to the season. Um, but I just want to talk about someone who I've done podcasts before about. I'm a big, big fan of his as a player and as a human being, uh, Pirtor Zelinski. Um and he hasn't started the season as well as I think a lot of us thought he was going to. And um, I think that's a real shame. He's he's played nine games in the league, six starts. He's only scored one goal and he's got two assists. There's been flashes of his usual self. and um, But he he really seems very low on confidence. And it's tough because, I mean, I've... Before, I thought he was much more of a number eight than a number 10. He's really stepped up, hasn't he, into that number 10 role last season. Absolutely proved me wrong. Made me look like an absolute imbecile, um, for my opinions. And he, you know, got into double figures um, for goals and assists. And it was it was his real breakout season. And he seemed like, you know, as I said on the previous pod, like, he's pretty high up on you know, the order of you put the players on the team sheet. So um, he isn't that this season, is he? I mean, if you think about who who's stepping up this season, we've got Koulibaly and Rahmani at the back. We've been absolutely immense. You've got Fabian, he's scoring goals, making assists, but also he's leading from the middle of the pitch. He must have tuned in and listened to me at the beginning of the season saying, we need a De Rossi figure. Now, he doesn't play like De Rossi, but he's leading on the pitch from midfield, and that's what we need. Ongisa turning up to a new place, a new city, and he's just everywhere. Um, our captain has been fantastic, scoring those two penalties. Again, proving me wrong, I was like, he needs to be taken off penalties, and obviously the new Prince of Naples, Victor Ossiman. These are all players that are doing more than Zelensky at the moment. And it's interesting to see Elmas play. Let's not underestimate that. I mean, today I feel I haven't got COVID. I've got a cold. I've got temperature. I mean, imagine having to play recovering from COVID. It must be so difficult. And we don't know the long-term effect that this illness is going to have on a, on a bunch of players. And every, every back to work a week later. I'm sure everyone listening has got similar stories. But also one of my best mates... He, had, he got long COVID. He was struggling with it six months on. Um, that could be a factor. But I think the main reason is that if you play as a number 10, let's be honest, it's the most high-pressure role 
in the team. I don't care what anyone says. Okay, some people might say the number nine. You cannot be carried. Sometimes you can get a striker and you can play him back into form and it's fine. You've got players around him that can score. Then number 10, you're responsible not just for scoring goals, but for making chances, for creating goals. Now, if that ain't working, then you can't be hanging around in the team. Um, I think Spalletti, as he always has, has done the right thing. Yeah, Spalletti just has just played the season perfectly, hasn't he? And he's obviously picked up on the fact that that Zilu's not in, in the form he needs to be. And he he gave him a bit of a rest. Elmas, I think, did really well uh, in the last game. He's not going to perform really well every week. He's, he's still a kid. He's still coming up. You know, for me, and this is my final thought, is like, if, and it's a big if, we're going to have a special season. And it's looking that way, isn't it? I mean, it's half-time at the moment. Verona, Juve, and uh, Verona, Tunella. If we're going to have a special season, I would love that season to involve in a major way Ciro Martins. You know, what a servant to the club. Just what a player. Like, I tweeted out a few weeks ago that, you know, he just plays the game for fun. Like, he enjoys it. And you just see that on the pitch. It's infectious. And just like, you know, is there a more likeable player that we've ever had. He's just such a likeable dude, like, on the pitch. And so, like, if we're going to have a special season, I'd love it to be Chiro's, like, swan song, where he's really important. And, and maybe Zelensky needs to be managed. Maybe he needs an extended period to get over the various stuff that's been going on with his injuries and maybe COVID and stuff. Um... And maybe Chiro's the guy that can step up and we can manage it between them. And that would just, wouldn't that be amazing if if playing in that number 10 role we have, you know, in the middle, the all-time scorer, one of the great, all-time great Napoli players. On the on the left-hand side, we have Lorenzo Insigne, captain of the club, one of the all-time greats of the club. Up front, we have the successor to the to the crown of Cavani. And at the back we have, you know, the greatest defender that's ever played for us. Uh Kaladu Kulubale. That would be very poetic and beautiful, wouldn't it? But you know, I hope Zelensky starts to pick up, get some confidence back. That would be great. But we've got the squad, we've got a manager who can manage the squad and just my last thought, just I'm talking a bit about the midfield and I've talked about Fabien quite a lot this season. You know, he's just so much better than he's been. It's just so great to see, isn't it? I mean, he was so good uh, in the last game against um, uh, against Bologna. And, like, okay, the difference is, and I don't want to hate on Gattuso here, but, like, Fabien is a unique player. There's no one like him in world football, like, he's like a Bambi on ice with a ball at his feet. He can create, he can shoot, he's a bit, he's just so hard to describe. He needs a football brain behind him. And Ancelotti was, you know, Ancelotti wasn't himself when he was, oh, mister, it was the, the kind of late stage Ancelotti. 
Ancelotti was not the person to get the most out of him. Rina Gattuso, I love you, but you don't have, I don't think, quite the chops to get the best out of him. Whereas you've got a, a really underrated football thinker in Luciano Spalletti. And you can really see the way he's managing him, I think, off the pitch. The role he's given him on the pitch, which is really hard to describe. A lot of people saying it's the first time he's playing deeper, but it's not true. It's it's how he's playing deeper. And that and the fact we've got Anguissa, who positionally can understand what Fabian's doing, will make make such such a big difference. So, you know, I've been down on the guy, but Fabian, absolutely mago. And um, our absolute mago. And let's give Spalletti his props. You know, I... Wasn't really on Twitter when it got announced, but those of you who follow me, those private conversations, always been a fan of him. So let's hope he keeps this up. So anyway, that's my thoughts. Um, that's an ill Dr. Henry Bell, just giving you giving you my thoughts. Uh, I was supposed to be at a wedding this weekend, but I haven't been able to go because I'm too ill. Isn't that bad? So just, I'm sure you won't be listening to this, but I just want to send my best to... To Ali and Lindsay. Hope you had a great day. And um, I'm in bed. Anyway, Forza Napoli sempre. And thank you so much for Dr. Henry Bell there with some thoughts on Piotr Zielinski. You know, I, th- I think that everybody hopes that he can turn it around. I know that um, something I noticed when I was at the match uh, the other day, Elmas got a start, Zielinski got a rest. Um, Zielinski wasn't fit couple weeks ago so i wonder if that had something to do with it a little bit but um you know i thought that elmas played played well he plays a little bit differently than zielinski's more uh, apt to carry the ball forward um and he might be a slightly better dribbler than zielinski but it was it was a nice little change up but i do hope that that zielinski can turn it around because he's really improved so much with us over the last few years so um, let's hope that he can turn it around. Um, and now I will toss it up with some thoughts on the new Prince of Napoli, Victor Osimen, Kirsten Schluitz. Ciao, ragazze. It's Kirsten, and I'm hopefully following the good doctor, Henry Bell. Um, he is sick. I am suffering from a severe sleep shortage, so please be gentle with me for any mistakes that might be made. And moving on from that, the doctor commented that at halftime, Verona were up 2-0 on Juve. Juventus pulled one back, but it doesn't matter. They still lost. It's very hard to root for a Verona victory, especially given the topic that I'm going to discuss. But before I get to that, let's take a moment to celebrate. Yes. Adios's birthday today. We should all take such joy and maybe make a cake in celebration of the great Diego Armando Maradona. Take a moment in his memory and then hope that we have other deities to uplift. And one of those will be my main topic of conversation 
And that is our forward, Victor Osiman. Okay, so we all know that we should properly celebrate Victor, just as we celebrate Maradona's birthday. But just how much of that is needed, or just how much should we be expecting, perhaps, is the better term for it. So, if we think back to last season under Gattuso, we missed out on a Champions League spot. But we didn't have an awful season. We scored goals. We actually scored more, like, better average of goals than this season so far. Um, but because Spalletti has put together a team that has conceded only three goals so far, it's okay that we're not scoring as much. But the great thing is, even though those averages are different this year, it's a lot more fun to watch. Napoli are stable, and yet somehow they're unpredictable. Isn't that always the way with this team? We're fantastic at contradictions. So this is a team that we love to watch because they love possession. They love to pass it around. Uh, not in the annoying tiki-taka style, but with pointed attacks that know where the goal is, which seems like it should be simple, but it isn't always. And they attack directly. And that is down for a huge part to Victor Osimhen. So, here we go. Obviously, we know that he's been scoring the goals. He has, what is it, two braces already this season? Um, two in Europa and two against Samp. And all together in all games, we have... Nine. Nine goals. And it's a third of the way through the season. That's why we're recording this lovely pod all mixed up together. Because we want to celebrate the wonder that is this season and probably not drop our microphones anymore. But you got you y'all know that. We know he's scoring goals. The thing that I wanted to talk about. Um, because others are very good at talking about the shape of the team, the way the team functions together, uh, the fact that, you know, um, they, they manage to get the ball through the midfield quickly, especially thanks to Fabian Ruiz to Osiman and get him in a place to score a goal. Or, you know, sometimes Fabian Ruiz will score a wonderful goal instead. We're allowing that. We're also going to allow Lorenzo to take the penalties still after those two against Bologna. It's all good. Um, so, what I wanted to talk a bit about is Osiman's weakness, which 
the number one thing that you're going to hear about his weakness. It's not that he sometimes doesn't pay attention to that offside flag. It's not so much that... Um, It's not so much that he is not the greatest passer. It's his temper. And this is a problem to talk about, at least for me, because there is a stereotype of angry black people. A lot of times people apply it more to the angry black woman or the sassy black woman. But it is also a problem when it comes to men. People tend to stereotype black men as having a quick temper. So in that regard, it's difficult to step up and say, this man does need to work on controlling his temper, impulses, not really attitude, but just needs to rein himself in a little. And I realized that against Venezia, that was totally called for, allowed for. But we've seen some things since then that are a little worrying and make it seem like Spalletti probably needs to have another talk with him. Now, remember, Victor's only 22. He's young. He's young and he's playing in a league that is famous for its racism as awful as that is to be famous for. Um, we never know what he's hearing on the pitch. There were some rumors that there were chants at Roma. Most people just heard the territorial ones, but um, pretty much every game played against teams from the North, there are going to be racist chants. And I'm not saying Osiman should learn to tolerate them or not speak out against them but just more that he needs to be able to um not let it affect him while he's on the pitch speak out later he's done some of that we've also seen Kulabali do some of that and we need to keep talking about it. We need to not focus so much about being worried about talking about his temper like I have been, but talking about the racism that st still pervades this league. Because of all the things, we do not want to see Osiman leave. We want him to be our new god at this point. We're terrified. For AFCON coming up, I mean, we saw what happened last season when he went away to play for um, Nigeria for the Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers. He got injured and was off for two months, and then he got COVID. So we really could have used him, and we don't want that to happen this year. Um, but short of tying him up in bubble wrap, I'm not sure that we can um, protect him. 
but I'm getting a little off track. I also wanted to talk a little bit in terms of racism about the traits that are ascribed to Osima. And many times when people talk about him, they talk about his ability to get in front of the goal, but then they remark on his physicality or his quickness, you know. And those are the things that we often, um, or, he, you know, he tackles. He's a forward who tackles. And so that makes his physicality come up. That make we've seen people talk about his speed, even though he's not, like, incredibly fast. But that's what comes to mind when people talk about African players and people have been saying this for years and it's still not happening. And the thing about Osiman is he is so super intelligent. Okay? He knows what to do. I'm not saying that the players behind him obviously know what to do as well because otherwise we wouldn't be sitting top in the league right now and laughing at Juventus. And but Osiman knows how to connect to the goal. He sees that goal. He, I don't even know, you know, it's different. I can't compare him to Merrick because Merrick was obviously a lot further back most of the time um, with Napoli and continued to drop back as he his career went on. And he could see and orchestrate the pitch, but in the same way, up top, Osiman can see what's coming from behind him. He's a dangerous, dangerous man because he can bring not only himself, but his fellow, fellow attackers like Politano or Lozano or even Zilli when he's, you know, on form. He can create space for them to get in and attack. And he's great with the ball at his feet. He can dribble. He can make a long shot. He obviously is spectacular at finishing. So it's not that we should be focusing on debating about his temper or even trying to shut down the stereotypes about black players, but more just celebrating. And I, I, I know, no, it must be because it's Maradona's birthday. I keep using that word, celebrating. But I think Ozyman so needs to be celebrated. I mean, Spalletti thinks that he could be better than Mbappe. That's amazing. Um, and he... Our coach is able to manage him. We can trust him that he's going to help with the whole um, not being quite always in check on the field uh, with the little flashes of temper or the big flashes of temper. I think in time, Spalletti will be able to get those um, to fade away while we continue to praise Victor's intelligence, 
his ability to read the game, his ability to get his teammates involved, and also his ability to know what his teammates behind him are doing. So he knows how to get into that space. He knows how to be in a place to finish. You can't be in a place to finish without either just lurking by the goal, which we know he doesn't do, or having the smarts to know what's coming up from behind you or being involved in the buildup of the attack. He's perfect for this team in terms of their direct attack, their focus on goal. Spalletti's getting the best out of him. So basically what I'm saying is I'm uncomfortable talking about his temper. Others might not be. That's great. But we shouldn't worry about it too much because it's fairly likely that Spalletti will be able to manage him in a way that as he grows, that won't even be a worry at all. It'll, it'll move out of our vocabulary. And I think that's just spectacular because he's, like I said, he's 22. He could be with us for so long. He can continue to make this team great. And again, I'm going to use the word celebrate. Let's celebrate Osiman and hope that he becomes Napoli's next football deity. Ciao, ragazzi. Forza Napoli, sempre. That was Kirsten Schluitz with her thoughts on Victor Osiman. And, you know, I think that this season, especially Osiman has really turned a corner. I, I know that he just picked up a, a, a calf strain uh, yesterday in training and he won't be in the match against Salernitana, but it really is um, a special start to the season for him and I hope that he can keep it up. Uh, he's, he's really proven, in my opinion, to be one of the top five young strikers uh, in all of Europe and he's just really commanding of the game. You know, the games I was at, he did struggle a little bit against Roma, but Roma has two good center backs and they were double teaming him the whole match. But you see what he does off the ball and that, that he really commands that much, that much respect that, you know, multiple people need to be keeping an eye on him and he stretches lines and and he, and he makes play easier for his teammates. And, you know, we saw against, against Bologna that he really, was the cause of, of both of those of those penalties. One was a handball, but you know he really made the defender panic and he got his arm up um, just to try to stop him from from getting in front of him. And the second penny, he wins the ball, he pulls away from the defenders in the box, and, and and he gets raked down from behind. And you know those are things that Victor can do. And you know the fact that he's having such a great start to the season is is really 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 promising. And and you know one of the major reasons why we have twenty eight out of thirty points in the league. So. Um, you know, but you know, speaking of his injury and things that happen, you know, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to rely a little bit on some of our depth players and to talk about the depth of this Napoli team and and maybe one of the that's one of the reasons why we've been off to such a great start is is the man Marco Cubani D'Onofrio. Yo, Marco Cubani D'Onofrio here, joining you, joining the crew to talk about my key point and what I really wanted to hammer home and focus on personally is the depth of this Napoli squad. And believe me, I tossed and turned last night thinking about what I really, really wanted to focus on and what I really wanted to touch upon. And 
I'm not going to lie, there's a part of me that was thinking about doing the defensive partnership because they've been so good. Uh, Koulibaly and Romani, of course, I'm talking about that duo leading the way for Napoli in the heart of their defense. But I've decided to talk about the depth because I think that is why Napoli have been so successful so early on in the campaign. And yes, it is still so, so early. And yes... Using that S word, that Scudetto. And I'm going to use the Scudetto word because I do believe in it. I do believe it should be a goal. And I don't believe it should be a word we're scared to mention. I don't think it should be a word we're scared to talk about. Especially, like I said, with the team that Napoli have. And by it, what I mean by team, I don't just mean 11 to 13 or 11 to 14 players. right? I mean, everybody keeps talking about the infamous... 16-17 season where not sorry 17-18 season where Napoli almost won a Scudetto with Sarri's 91 points but if you look at the squad and the team that year there was maybe what 13 14 15 contributors at most I mean, I'm talking about real contributors that when the game really mattered, you were able to make that substitution. And in that season, we all know how good that team played and we all love the football they played and the brand they played. However, again, if you look at that team, it was the same 13, 14 players, if that, every single game. It's the reason you had to give up on the Europa League. It's the reason you had to give up on the Coppa Italia. We went all for broke for the Scudetto, and yes, we almost, almost got it, but we didn't. The reality of the situation is we didn't. And that's the difference between this team and the team from, what, three years ago now, four years ago now, is that this team really is a squad. Like, I look at the depth of this team, and it really is unbelievable. Um, and I find it funny, and I'm going to shout out Rafa on this one, because I saw some Milan fans in a tweet on Twitter recently talking about, oh, well, Napoli's talking about a Scudetto, but they haven't dealt with injuries yet. No, the reality of the fact is Napoli have dealt with injuries. The difference, again, between this team and teams of the past is that when Napoli have injured players, you hardly notice. And I mean, we're talking about someone like Dries Mertens, who just made his return in recent weeks. A pillar of this team, a man who has been so important and so influential on this squad, was missing for so long, and Napoli was still able to win eight straight games with or without him in the lineup. You know, that wasn't the case. That wouldn't have been the case years ago. It's the same with Diego Demi, right? Demi was out of action. He was hurt. Labotka was hurt. You hardly notice their absences. And that's no disrespect to anybody on this team. But the fact of the matter is, especially in this situation, and the team that is right now on the field, in the locker room, that Spalletti has at his disposal, there are players who can substitute for almost anybody. Yes, is Victor Ozeman a bigger loss if we lose him? Sure. But as we saw, as Patania saved us early in the season and rescued a win for us, he even he can be replaced, right? I mean, Osman missed the second game of the season, and when it looked like Napoli was going to draw, Patania rescued us. Napoli have those players available. That wasn't the case before. You know, again, you look back at that 17-18 season, and you look at Dries Mertens as our striker, and yeah, we had Milik, and Milik had his injury issues, but... 
it wasn't the same depth. When you look at up top, when you look at the likes of even Ones right now, who's out injured, what he's able to contribute when he's healthy. You have Politano and Lozano who can switch at any point in time and you're not missing a beat there. And you can really get the best of what player and what characteristics you need most at what time. And that was never the case before. Um, whether you look at the defense, you know, Manolas has been hurt. He's another example of a guy who's been injured in recent weeks, but you have hardly noticed because Napoli can make it work with or without him on the pitch. Um, and it's the same with, you know, you've got two starting goalies that are both carry, both capable of carrying the load. And so for me, that's what is going to make the season so magical. If Napoli is able to win a trophy, if Napoli is able to get it done, it's going to be because of their depth. It's not going to be because of one individual player. And yes, there are moments of individual brilliance. You know, we saw Fabian Ruiz's incredible goals. Um, sorry, incredible goal that he scored uh, against Bologna. And I mean, we've seen a couple of rockets from him this season already. Um, you know, Zielinski has been far from his best, but it hasn't even mattered. Because again, you can throw in an Elmas in there and he'll get the job done. So this team, what is what makes them so exciting is that there are so many different options, so many different possibilities. Depending on your opponent, you can switch directions, switch tactics, switch the way you want to play, switch your formation, switch your lineup, and you don't miss a beat. Napoli truly has a roster of 20 players who are capable of getting on the pitch and doing what they need to do to win a game. Sorry, I said 20 plays, even more than that. It's ridiculous. So, again, I know it's still very early on. I know it's still so easy to get carried away about things. But when you really look at what Spalletti has at his disposal, it's fun to watch. And what I love about Spalletti, and this is one thing we've got to talk about, is he's finding a way to maximize his roster and get the most out of his team, right? Wasari... Not everybody felt important. And that was his one criticism that you could make. I mean, okay, there's a few criticisms you could make of him. But he had, again, a team that earned 91 points. That could never be said before. So you got to give him credit where it's due. What that said, though, you had the players who were on the ins, and it was very clear who was on the outs. I don't think that is the case with Napoli this season. We saw at the Euro Cup how important it was to utilize an entire squad. And yes, that was in, you know, a month tournament, so it's a little bit different. But it's important to make everybody feel like they're contributing. Mancini went out of his way to ensure everybody got minutes. The only player who never featured in the tournament at all was our very own Alex Merritt, and that's okay. He's a young goalkeeper, and he was the third goalkeeper, so it's understandable. And Spalletti seems to have very much the same approach where it's make everybody feel important, give everybody minutes, let guys do what they come to do and let them get earn their spot on the pitch if they've earned it in practice. And we're seeing that, right? Um, an example was Gulam, right? Just being able to see him come on the pitch at the end of the game and yeah, he's probably nowhere near 100%. And, you know, we might not see him for a long while. I mean, we could see him... On Sunday, we could see him next week. I don't know. But we probably won't see him for a while. But despite that, giving him a couple of minutes at the end of a game that was already put away, letting the crowd acknowledge him, 
letting him get that feeling of walking onto the pitch at the Stadio Diego Armando Maradona and getting the reception from the crowd that he got, that's got to feel good for the guy. That's got to help motivate him, right? I mean, Lord knows he's been through hell and back over the last few years. And so if you have a guy like that who is able to stay in the locker room because we know how tight he is with Koulibaly, we know what good friends he is with a lot of these guys in that locker room. If you can have him happy and him positive, then that's just another great thing for this club moving forward. Yes, Napoli's toughest schedule or toughest part of the schedule is still to come. You know, they've they've got a a jam-packed fixture couple of weeks following the international break. You know, you've got Inter, the first game back. Then I believe you you got Spartak Moscow. You've got some difficult games. You got Lazio in there. You got Leicester City in there. You got Atlanta in there. So they've got some tough games coming up and a tough stretch coming up. But again, when you're able to utilize your roster, it is incredible to see. I keep harping back on that 2018 season, 2017-18 season, but I have to because it's it's the most it's the best one to compare at this point in time, given Napoli's situation. And the difference there is you don't have the Jacarinis that Sari fought for and wanted who never saw the pitch and was left frustrated because he didn't see the pitch and he wasn't allowed to leave. You're not seeing that. Right? I mean, you could maybe make the argument Patanya should be or might want some more time and might be hungry. Well, he'll he'll have his chance, you know. Osman, um, we know is suffering a bit of an injury, you know, and of course the Africa Cup of Nations is coming up as well. So he will have his opportunity. And when he has had his opportunity, he scored, right? I believe he is still averaging um the most goals per minute. In Serie A right now. I think it's one goal every 56 minutes he's on the pitch or something silly like that. So again, for me, the biggest strength of this team has to be their incredible depth. Something we haven't seen in recent years. At Kubani underscore at Far From Vesuvius. Make sure you're getting at the crew. Let us know what your thoughts are. I really want to hear your opinions. I mean, is Spalletti playing too many guys? Is turnover and can turnover be a problem going forward? Personally, I don't think so. But you let me know what your thoughts are. At Far From Vesuvius, make sure you stay tuned for all this good stuff because we've got a ton of positive things coming up your way. I've been Marco Cubani D'Onofrio. That was Marco Cubani D'Onofrio, as he so eloquently said at the end there. And I'm just going to put a little bow on this episode, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in, checking us out, coming back, you know, supporting us, doing all the things that you do. Uh, I know this is a little bit maybe of of an unorthodox type of episode, but, you know, I think we all have our own personal thoughts and sometimes it's it's not easy to to get them all out there to you um, when we're together. So we wanted to be able to get them to you anyway. So... Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. As always, you can hit us up at Far From Vesuvius on Twitter. Uh, you can hit me up at K underscore Chafredi, C-I-O-F-F-R-E-D-I. And as always, Fortinopoli Central.